Jones, 30, 35, 40, he's in midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And Down the Sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me Your News Network, and this is the 57th episode of the podcast on February 4th, 2014. We are all super bold out, and that's going to be the uh, the main topic of discussion. We're back after a couple weeks. Um, how have you been, Joel? Good. Um, just, you know. Dealing with snow? Lots of snow. Lots uh, of snow. Freezing rain incoming, and just, uh, it's the uh, winter of our disconnect. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed. Good, good um, way of putting it. Yeah, so, uh, just, you know, trying to, you know, you still actually have to do things a lot of, most of the time when there's this much snow, so just trying to put up with it. it. It stinks because it's like, the whole city is like on a hill, so everybody's sliding everywhere, and just mass chaos, but, uh. I think, I think I'm making it through. I got, I got some new boots this year, and I like they're saving my life because all my shoes would be wet if I didn't get them. So that's good. At least you know your area, like ours, know what to do with snow. Unlike yeah. Atlanta, who struggled oh. with two inches. Oh man, yeah. Not that was... we're supposed to be feeling pity for them, but I'm sorry that life became a standstill. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. Uh, cause I I was I heard uh. Game Buddy talking the other day about mm. like even in his area where there was like a a mass uh, wreck on the interstate because people Could all went out drive, there at the yeah. same time and just didn't don't know how to drive like that in that kind of weather at all. So and there were like tons and tons. I saw like picture of just tons and tons of cars piled up and I was like, whoa, that looks like, like something I, out of a Blues Brothers movie. I, I get that you know it's, they don't get snow in that area and that they're not used to it but it's really really tough to feel empathetic when it's like oh it's it's two inches and you got how much the other day yesterday oh a ton like well over foot just lots of lots the thing is like i i know plenty of people that luckily i didn't have to do anything but like i know plenty of people that drove on the interstate in Mm. that the other day you know it's not fun they i mean they do it all the time so they're like used to it they know that you shouldn't go nearly close to the same kind of speed that you're supposed right. to, you know, you just got to slow down. And that's really the main thing of it is just drive slower. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, We've got a different sort of show today mm-hmm. where we're going to talk about a couple things briefly, not really give any predictions, but our, our majority of our topic is going to be the Super Bowl because a couple that happened a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happened, but at the same time, it didn't happen. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, first, we're going to start that the Sochi Winter Olympics are going to start on Thursday with the opening ceremonies, Sochi in Russia, mm-hmm. kind of the southwestern point of Russia. I don't know if you've uh, seen it on a map, but it's of course close to the uh, the Black Sea, I believe there. <laughs> it's kind of the vacation destination in Russia. Yeah. But here's the deal. Apparently, despite the more than $50 billion put in the area to get it ready, Things are not ready Mm-mm. for the Winter Olympics. Just, uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because uh, there's a lot of uh, 
countries that host this, you know, all the time. And they they go out and they they build new, complete new buildings for for the Olympics and everything. But they have them, you know, finished well ahead of time. They have all the buildings they need for people to stay in, you know, hotels. They've got that all fixed. And that is not the case here. <laughs> and it's it's awful. Especially if you're over there, you know, like you were saying, the conditions for reporters not good at all right now. And uh, if you're if you're hosting an event of this category, this kind of thing, you really should be ready. Uh, I mean, they should have been ready already, not like finished before the month even started. It's one thing to have the, you know, the gay rights issues that are over there where. They so <laughs> the mayor of Sochi doesn't believe that any gay people live in his city's borders, and good luck with that one, buddy. Yeah. But they have it's this whole civil rights issue over there. Uh, not only that, but you also have the police forces and the security there because it's right near Chechnya, and that could be you know targets of terrorist attacks and that kind of puts, you know, some little faith in in that security environment. Uh, and, and like you were saying, uh, there's I've got a Yahoo article from Dan mm-hmm. Wetzel that yeah. I'll link into the show notes here so you can check it out. But it's called No Light Bulbs, No Shower Curtain, No Hot Water. Welcome to Sochi. Uh, and it's talking about how, you know, the journalists are arriving there now. And they're, they're settling in with jet lag and all that. And they're dealing with the, the living conditions there. Now we've seen and had reports of the restrooms where there are two toilets for one stall. Mm-hmm. That's a little awkward. Uh, and, you know, some of these things are the, the Western civilization, things we're used to being, you know, placed into this environment. And maybe some of this is normal. For example, uh, a note on the door uh, for media bathrooms that says, please do not flush toilet paper down the toilet. Put it in the bin provided. Hmm. So I know it's a different path of the show to talk about this, but what if you wipe and the plumbing can't handle that, so you put it in the trash can? Yeah, that's gonna, gonna, gonna... It's gonna collect and... Yeah, that's no. not going to be nice to walk into that bathroom. Definitely. Yeah, so not only that, they've got pictures of the drinking water there. Mm. Oh, did I say drinking water? Because it looks like urine. It's it's atrocious. Um, there are also other reports of the buildings that are there and how they are just not complete so they have draped the the buildings in canvases and painted them so it looks like they are complete to passers-by it's kind of a dismal situation going around there and the olympics start very very soon yeah i don't know it i i guess that like when you'd almost think that most countries like whenever the the committee agrees and they get the bid and everything like there should be certain things they have to follow in order for it to happen. But I guess once it's in place, it's not like you can really change the location. <laughs> no, so. the location was picked years ago. Yeah, and but I mean, that's like, why they've been given all that money, and what have they done with it? 
Well, yeah. What, Further where, their anti-gay agenda? I mean, like, where is the money going? Because it doesn't sound like they've been putting it to good use. Hmm. I mean, we could, you know, predict about you know, things like who will win the hockey tournament, which, you know, hockey is the one thing I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I will probably be missing out on the opening ceremonies. I'm going to be in Chicago for the Chicago Auto Show Media Days over the next couple days. Yeah. Um, so I'll probably be missing out on that. I think but... that they. You think they'll probably have it up somewhere that you could watch it later? Probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, NBC already tapes delays. You know the the things for God knows uh, why. Man, so I do with that again. Get there. That last year, that was just kind of awful what they did. But <sighs> anyway, so that's starting soon. The other event that's actually happening tomorrow, tomorrow morning during the day is a National Signing Day mm-hmm. for yeah. college football recruits this is where you know the the seniors and you know the top targets are going to be making their final decisions where they are going to attend school. Now some have already committed so that won't be much of a surprise but then you're going to have some of the bigger names who are going to make their decisions and the recruiting classes will be locked up. Mm-hmm. Um now you of course have you know some of the the big names already kind of in the mix, Florida State, Alabama, yeah. you know top classes there. Uh, interesting, you can kind of have maybe Texas a bit on the slide with the loss of Mac Brown. Yeah, it'll, I I think that it's hard when you have a new coach coming in to maintain the the recruiting class that you were trying to get. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, but as far I think as... That, that's what was kind of surprising, I think, with Florida State for me more than anything is actually when they did change coaches, they were somehow able to maintain a pretty good class right away. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back to when Bobby Bowden was retiring. Um, but that, I mean, they're the past, what, maybe three or four years, they've had a top five recruiting class every year. And this year, I mean, it's if you can imagine, it's even better yeah. than it usually is. Um, and really, it's just I, it's about building around Jameis Winston is what it is, and uh, it's it's kind of scary to think that they could maybe be better <laughs> <laughs> with be- even better recruits than they're they're even used to getting, which they usually get really good ones. So. Yeah, Tennessee's has a surprisingly good class. Uh, Texas A and M is also up there. But yeah, LSU, Florida State, or sorry, Ohio State, Florida, Miami, Auburn, Georgia, a lot of SEC schools, which is not a surprise. Um, any of the the top players? Not really. Um, there's there's a couple. Uh, Andre Jackson, mm-hmm. who's down to a few schools. He's a cornerback out of California. Lorenzo Carter, a D end out of Georgia. Um, and Malachi Dupree out of Louisiana. They're out of the top 20 for ESPN's uh, ESPN 300. Like Those are the ones who are still you know, to make a decision. What I wanted to bring up, though, was an interesting story that's uh, coming out of the Michigan area. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be some drama for, for a talented defensive end named Malik, Mad- sorry, Malik McDowell. Uh, and he comes from Southfield, Michigan. He's 6'6", 260, 
for a defensive lineman. He's, according to ESPN's Recruiting Nation, the top 60, number or number 60 overall player. So he is talented. Mm-hmm. He's between four schools. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. It's fine, you know, Florida State, you know, because they're their national power that they are, and then, you know, the local, you know, Big Ten powers. Now, Malik wants to go to Michigan State. However, his parents have been very public in their involvement with this decision. Mm-hmm. You know, not letting their child make the decision that he wants to make and you know they are happy with whatever he chooses you know they apparently don't think he's mature enough to make that kind of decision which would fall back on the parents because mm-hmm. you raised him they do not want their son to go to Michigan State or Michigan they want him to get out of the state they apparently think he'd be too social or to have too much of a social life at Michigan State. Guess what? That's going to happen any school you go to. That's on the kid, not the environment. Yeah. I mean, probably even more so if you're a big-name recruit coming into a a college because people will know your name already. The mom is the one who's being more vocal and speaking up. She had a, a bad experience at MSU, but she doesn't want to get into specifics. And she said, and I, I kid you not, you know, he wants to be a first-round pick after college. Nothing is guaranteed, but I don't think their defensive line coach has the background for that. <laughs> you mean the Michigan State defense, which was the top defense in the country last year, especially their front seven, especially their defensive line. No, no, no. Yeah, the coach doesn't have the resume for that. What are you talking about? There's the speculation here that you're wondering if, you know, maybe the parents got something slid under the table in, you know, recruit talks, maybe at Ohio State, trying to get something to go that way. Wouldn't be the first time you've heard sleazy things about Urban Meyer. Um, So, unfortunately, Malik here is put in a difficult situation. He can either choose Michigan State, the school he wants to go to, but have his parents be very disappointed in the decision and cause the conflict in the family dynamic there. Or he can go to a school like Ohio State, Florida State. Well, Florida State would be one where he, you know, that's where the parents probably want him to go to, but he wouldn't be happy there. Ohio State may be the one who ends up landing Malik McDowell here because it's kind of a compromise. But it's a messy situation, and you'd think it's a big day for so many of these recruits tomorrow, a national signing day. And yet, the parents in this one case have to be vocal, involved, and it's absolutely not their place. And despite the talent that Malik supposedly has, uh, that may be squandered because of the seed of doubt that his parents are kind of instilling into him. Yeah, I mean, you know, the reason that, you know, he's going to get to go to some of these 
bigger schools that have, you know, a lot of prestigious history and stuff is because he's a really good football player. Um, I I wonder if, like, even when they're looking at this, they're not just looking at it from a, you know, the perspective of, oh, this is a very good football school. But, like, also, does he, I mean, is he, like, even looking at, like, what he wants to do? Because that, I mean, that is important because you don't know if you're going to be so good that you're not going to even finish college. Oh, absolutely. It's a very, very low yeah. percentage of five-star you know, players. Who... Yeah, exactly. Who knows if, you know, it, if you do get in the NFL, it might very well take you until your senior year to do that, to develop into that kind of player. And also, you know, are you going to get redshirted wherever you go? That's another thing. You don't really know. It's a lot of times you you have to look at the depth that each school has there and I don't know, I'm one of the people that think that you know, it's definitely easier to get noticed when you have good players around you. Oh yeah. Because they make you better. You go against them in practice every day and if this guy's holding up a block here then you know, it's easier for you to do whatever you need to do. So, uh I, you know, as far as like best defense, you know, we we all pretty much assume that Michigan State was definitely the best defense last year. Yeah. And I don't know. I think if I was a defensive lineman, I definitely would want to go there because I'd get to practice every day with really good players, and they they'd make me better. So I mean, I, that's the way that I kind of look of it. But I don't know. It really should be about where the kid wants to go to school because it's his life. But. Yeah. Oh, parents. It's a it's of, a messy situation. You know, you're talking about you know what the kid wants to do. You know, beyond the NFL, I wonder if the the parents might not even put that in his head. That's all about being raised. And if the parents basically want a meal ticket based off of their kid's success, I, that's that's just awful. And. Uh, you gotta feel bad I mean, for the are, kid. How are they? How are they experts on this too? That's the exactly. thing that I don't really it's, understand. Like, how do they, I mean? I'm sure that Michigan State's defensive coach knows a lot more about football than either of them. Then so the mom know. who's wanting to be vocal to the media about this, where she should shut yeah. her mouth. Yeah, I don't understand why you need to bad mouth a coach. <laughs> like that's just. That's not going to get you on good terms if that's where he ends up going anyways. Yeah, she's putting the external pressure on her son and putting the words in his mouth that he wants to be a first-round pick Yeah, the NFL. I I, I think that because, like, I've had friends that have gone to play college sports and stuff, and, you know, when they do their signing process and everything, you know, their parents help them apply to all the colleges and, and, you know, all that kind of thing, but... And help them with the paperwork and all By that all stuff. Means. But it's not like they're doing it to ensure that, you know, the child gets to decide what they want to do. And that's I'm sure that they. Be. And, and if anything, if the parents want to say anything, they should just tell them, you know, think about everything before you decide. And, and then you're the one who ultimately makes the decision. The parents can absolutely help with all of that and even give their input what they think is best. But it's still the kid's decision in the end, and you cannot make it for him. Yeah. And it's it's going to be an interesting situation. So he apparently makes his pick at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning on Wednesday the 5th for National Signing Day. Malik McDowell 
uh, from Southfield, Michigan. I mean, if anything, National Signing Day has evolved into this uh, this thing where we're just watching these, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids. Picking sit, up hats. Yeah, picking up hats and stuff and making it into, like, a big thing when, like, really it, it shouldn't be. Like, like, sure, we get excited when a big-name player is going to come, but half the time... You don't hear that person's name anyways until two or three years later. And they're really young and like it's more about them going and deciding on a school and you know, their their future than it is about like, oh my team <laughs> that kind of thing. But you know, I mean we on have a whole I'd agree with you. But talk to Michigan and Ohio State fans about Terrell Pryor and the back and forth that was going on <laughs> then. That was <laughs> That was some intense National well, Signing Day. Well, Everyone was paying attention on that. No, one. I know because it, it, at one point he was considering coming here. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's just that it's it's funny because we talk about these things and then all the fans are like really excited. They're talking about like a freshman quarterback throwing to a freshman wide receiver and everything. And then half the time that doesn't that never happens. Yeah. And, um. It's just it it kind of it's funny to a certain point, but it, it is cool to see these kids to, to see like how they handle themselves because that's like it's a lot of pressure to like you know go out there in front of like national TVs, <laughs> cameras in your high schools cutting to like national ESPN feeds, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like weird when you think about it. But I mean that's it's how they build their recruiting classes and stuff. So most of the time. If you can get all these guys on there and build depth, then you usually end up having a good team. All I'm saying is Jabril Peppers wants to be the next Charles Woodson at Michigan. I say bring it on. <laughs> Charles Woodson, a Super Bowl MVP. Speaking of that, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Look, look at that segue. <laughs> it was the oh, Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. You know, A couple of weeks ago, we were just saying how you know, kudos to us for predicting that matchup. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Super Bowl. Now, I had, I had done so for the second straight year, and last year I thought Den- or, uh, San Francisco would beat Baltimore. They did not. This year I thought Denver would beat Seattle. They certainly did not. But congratulations to you. Beginning of the year, you picked well, the, the Super Bowl champion and well, who they would defeat. They kept cutting to Eli Manning, and I was like... Uh, and one of the... They're hoping he'd make a derp face. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if they were hoping he would, like, turn off the lights hmm. in the stadium or what exactly, but... That was, that was Beyonce's job. I, I mean, they re- yeah, they really... Broncos needed something because they did not, you know... I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from Seattle because I personally think it wouldn't have mattered who played them in that game. They would have probably destroyed anybody. They were just kind of determined, and the defense was not going to let anything happen. But, I mean, I don't know. I think we just all kind of expected a little more out of Denver as a whole. Um, we you were know, expecting a great game. Yeah, I mean... It we, was a terrible game. And, and and the thing is, if you look at... it's What's funny is that if you look at the, everything besides the uh, the scoreboard, it doesn't look like that bad of a game. Um, yeah, Peyton Manning... What set a completion record? He did, and uh, then his receiver set a reception record. Completed passes, not completed percentage. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
you know, basically, Seattle completely shut down the run game. Denver wasn't going to do anything. What really made that not happen, I think, is the fact that, you know, no Sean Marino was hurt. Um, that, that that was pretty big. Richard Sherman ended up getting hurt as well. Yeah, so. I, I mean, that was, uh, was later in the third quarter or something, though, when it was just kind of, it probably wasn't possible to do anything. Um, it, it was really interesting to hear, like, how they prepared for Denver and like what they what they did to try and confuse them and they kind of just studied Peyton Manning a lot <laughs> what they did yeah. and uh, the thing what's funny is that they said if he would have come out and started doing something different probably would have worked because <laughs> <laughs> they they were so set on this certain game plan that they had for him and the, those receivers they. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's kind of interesting to hear everything after the fact, and um, I I don't think this takes anything away from Peyton Manning. Um, I don't think so either, and it's kind of frustrating to see all the questions about legacy and all that. Um, yeah, he did have a bad game, but it was not all on him. No, I mean, uh, it was. He barely was, had any time half the time. The front seven for Seattle was great. You know, they talk a lot about the secondary, but they got some great pressure. On Peyton Manning, uh, you know, caused some of those ducks to to flutter up, and you know the interception, the pick six, um, the, the, the sack, defense. the sack stat. That okay. I know that they didn't get any sacks, but they technically got sacks oh, on yeah. him in that game. And when you have the ball batted out of your hand two or three times, your offensive line is not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Now you can even look at the footwork and. His feet were all over the place. I mean, the one, what was it? The one interception was completely caused by just bad protection and a deflection as well. Yeah. Um. So I know I I agree with you. I think you know a lot of people just do the instant analysis and think like, oh, this irrevocably affects you know his his legacy. That's that couldn't be further from the truth, in my opinion. And you know, we were talking about how. You know, I, we don't like putting all the weight on the the Super Bowl wins and all of that. Um, so that aside, though, you know, it was a complete beatdown. It was a domination, a great defensive performance, one of the best. And I know you've had, you know, the '85 Bears, the the 2000, uh, 2001 Ravens against the Giants. Those were against good quarterbacks. Uh, this was against the league's top. Offense, the top scoring offense of all time, and Seattle did a fantastic job. You, and um, you know what's interesting? You look at that first quarter. I really thought that Denver's defense played great, considering that the offense barely had the ball at all. Like, well, yeah, they I, they held to field yeah. goals. And th- and that's the thing. I was like, if they can somehow get like back in the game in the second quarter, and they just didn't. They just could not do anything the rest of the game, really. And I think that's where it changed. If, I think if they had somehow found a way to start scoring then, game could have been different. Mm. But they just had to – I mean, they had to abandon the run even though it was their second string running back. They just had to – they couldn't do it anymore. Let me pull up a, a statistic for you here that's I found very interesting. At one point in the Super Bowl, Denver ran 38 plays – to Seattle's two plays. And this was at the end of the first half and going into the second half. The score went from 15 to nothing, Seattle, 
to 29 to nothing in that period. It was long drives put together by Denver, and those two Seattle plays, those are just trying to run out the clock at the end of the first half. Just not doing much of anything. But you had the interception that ended like a 16-play drive that it took back for pick six. And you had the complete backbreaker of the kickoff return in the second half. Yeah, those two plays decided the game. I mean, it was completely over then. Yeah, you could be, you know, a smart out and say, you know, the safety on the first play. No, uh, that could have been worse. I think that, I mean, they they could have scored a touchdown on oh, that yeah, play. Oh, no, absolutely could have been worse. But not only did it, you know, mess up all the Super Bowl squares, but that right from the get-go, you could say that, you know, it, it's just a sign of things to come. I was even still thinking, you know, at 22 nothing. Even though, you know, I don't think a team's come back from more than 10 points down in the Super Bowl to win. The top I, offense, definitely, yeah. I think they could. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's the top offense, and we've seen crazy comebacks already in these playoffs. And and if you've watched Seattle play, like, at least through the playoffs, uh, they've, you know, played really great defense in the first half. And then as the other teams figure things out in the second half, the games get closer. And they kind of just hang on. That's how they've won a lot of their games. So you thought, maybe, you thought maybe they could adjust. And... Absolutely, and Denver came out pretty confident in the second half. Yeah. Oh, Percy Harvin, though, they kicked that short kick. You know, that's what they wanted to do, but the ball bounces straight up to him. He, he, he clearly was like the X factor in this game, and when he was in the game, he made really big plays. It's well, almost like Denver didn't prepare early. for him. Yeah, the reverse... They should have seen it for Percy Harvin's They running. ran that reverse like three or four times. It worked every time. Yeah. It, was, it was wild. I think there was some lack of preparation on Denver's part uh, for some of these things like that. Uh, the coaching decision to go for it on fourth and two in the red zone at the end of the second quarter. Put some points on the board. <laughs> Give yourself that much. Instead, you miss that conversion, and you enter halftime with zero. I almost think it was amazing that they scored, period, in the game. It could have easily been the first shutout in a Super Bowl. Yeah. It was just, that was the way everything was going for Seattle. Well, um, you know, I will say another thing. Uh, you know, I mean, it was it's pretty easy when your defense just locks down the other team, like, you can take chances on offense. You can, you know, you can do whatever. Um, but some, I mean, some of the passes that Russell Wilson threw, just wow. Like, I was really impressed. Like, spot on. He made the big plays. They she had those early, great early with on, early on, all those third down conversions. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And I think that, you know, the fact that, because that, that's the thing I was thinking. I was like, oh, they held him to. Uh, they held him to three, you know, but they did get all the way down the field. Mm. And it's like, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking how this game might go as I was thinking, oh, well, you know, Seattle very well might shut them down, but I don't know if they'll be able to score. Yeah. And I mean, their offense looked pretty explosive at some points in this game. And I don't think anybody really, and not only that, but I mean, you know, Marshawn Lynch didn't have his, like, crazy game like we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still found ways, you know, working Percy Harvin on those reverses. Um, and Russell Wilson with his feet. I mean, he really he made a lot of plays there. So, 
Yeah, Seattle played wonderfully. It was it was an awful game to watch competitively. <laughs> and I saw some comments that were just frustrating. Like they were from Seattle fans. They were like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want our team you know, to not, you know, blow blow the other team out?" Blah blah. Like, shut up. Honestly, like we just, we just wanted the nation just wanted a good football game. Glad for your team. I Glad the Seahawks kinda... won. I, it, what is interesting is that people didn't turn off their TVs. I don't know if it was just because of the commercial incentives, the the halftime show, well, it peaked at or the what? Show. Well, yeah, but it it seems like uh, like they still found a way to like keep people's attention with the game, even though the game just was not conf- competitive at all. I guess Which, it is. I, that I think kind of, it's you know now yeah. the top television event in american history i don't know if maybe last year's super bowl maybe they thought oh maybe the team will come back or something but something kept people watching the game like all the way up through late in the third quarter which is i i didn't really expect when it when it wasn't that close i suppose but uh i mean enough about there are there are commercials there are there's the halftime show there's there's so much more to the super bowl than just the game which is Really, a good thing this year. Exactly. So let's talk about it. Uh, the halftime show. I don't listen to much, you know, Bruno Mars, but he is a very talented entertainer. I think he did a, a very good job. Too. It's not bad. Uh, I like the effects that were done during the show. You know, the the bright backlighting with the silhouettes. That was neat. Uh, just too many pyrotechnics, though. That was yeah. like a theme. Uh, did, for you, that. did you like him playing the drums? Uh, you know what I said? <laughs> I said. You save the drum solo for the end. You don't <laughs> open with it. Oh, That's what man. I was saying. But, you know, I'm talented there as well. Red Hot Chili Peppers. I, I love the Chili Peppers. Yeah. Great band. but Came with think, their shirts off. There. Exactly. <laughs> won, that, won that prop bet. But Give It Away is not the song no. to, mm-hmm. to play. And maybe it's the one people know most, but it's not the one that plays best on, on that stage. Um the other thing I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Fox. Uh, Fox was broadcasting the game. Mm-hmm. The amount of patriotism and Murica felt too much. <laughs> Whether it was from mm-hmm. the Bill O'Reilly interview with Barack Obama and during the pregame. The Declaration of Independence, everything before the Super Bowl, you know, proper coverage. Uh, it there was a lot, and it was pretty undeniable. And maybe it was just you know the New York connection and everything, but it was much more noticeable than it would be whether you know if if the game was being telecast on CBS or NBC. Did did you like your uh, your Bob Dylan? Well, here's the thing. Uh, for for Chrysler Group, mm-hmm. and technically, you know, Fiat, which the company is technically Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, mm-hmm. but they're still in kind of a transition, so it's not like official yet. And that's why you saw a uh, a Maserati North America ad, the the strike ad in the first mm-hmm. quarter. Um, we knew. And by we, I mean the communication PR department that I work in. We knew that there would be three commercials 
from you know whether it's Chrysler Group or Fiat. And we knew when they would be, so you know it was nice to keep a lookout for that. It was uh, you know first block of the first quarter, halftime, and the last block of the third quarter. That was all we knew. And it was kind of like last year where we're just kept in the dark. And it was nice to have, you know, some surprise there when so many other companies were putting out their Super Bowl ads, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the strategy is there. Um, I don't think they lived up to past years. And apparently the, the you know chief marketing officer is kind of like, we're done with like the preachy ads. Like we've kind of, it's kind of like closing that chapter, what started with the, Eminem Chrysler 200 ad in 2011. Now with the the Bob Dylan Chrysler 200 ad with more of an America's import slant as opposed to imported from Detroit. I think it was a, a pretty good ad. I hate the opening ad, and I think a lot of people did too. Mm-hmm. With like, you know, is anything more American than America? Like, <laughs> like with the flags and everything even my friends were uh, we were joking like oh yep more American patriotism Fox stuff I'm just like oh this is Chrysler mm. um, it's a good get to get him as a spokesperson and I think there were also a lot of people who were making too much of the lines at the end you know let so let Germany make your beer let Switzerland make your watches Mm-hmm. We will build your car. Uh, a lot of people were taking that very literally online. <laughs> a lot of people like, I like my American craft beer, thanks. I'm going <laughs> to stick to that. Like that That's not the point. They probably, the haven't, had, they probably haven't had it, the other kind either, yeah. though. <laughs> Honestly, I, even like, you know, Bell's beer, which is, you know, one of the, it's the biggest, you know, craft brewery. Mm-hmm. In Michigan, the guy who runs that was making a comment on you know, Chrysler's uh, Facebook page, like with that kind of like, you know, I felt very offended, you know, as the biggest you know craft brewery in the in the state of Michigan. Like, that's not the point of what it was. <laughs> the idea was to go off like the the cliches and not saying like, <laughs> not discounting any other place that does those kind of manufacturing the point is to yeah. set it as a counterpoint to america detroit build your car because that's the first and then i've been in arguments with people who think the company is yeah well blah, blah, not american not an american company owned by italian I, <laughs> there's it's frustrating there's there's global operations arguments the car is built in Michigan by American workers with no impact on American jobs. Like business is done in America. We American employees, like there's an outmoded way of thinking here with like the big three, the automotive big three. And even though they have all these global operations and it's not just a Detroit thing anymore. It's, it's like a way of thinking that's, you know, 15 to 17 years old where it's all in, in the Detroit area, so it's enough of my talking about that. Well, it was, it was a... the, there were like you know it, the thing with me is it's always hard for me. Like I miss them. I have to go find some of them because I can't sit there the whole time and just yeah. watch. I've got to do something else. And um, 
So, like, okay, what do you think of the idea of, like, what Ford did with their multiple commercials, like, following them up? Is that, that, like, a thing that's going to start happening? It was way too long. And uh, I don't think it was taken as well as the Chrysler ad. Yeah. Um, It's just too much time. And granted, you know, Chrysler's ad, they're getting a little long and preachy. Like, I I get that. And I think that's what they're going to be going away from. In future years, like this is kind of like the end of those sort of ads, but I do, I do like you know the more dramatic cinematic takes that they have on that. But it was a one minute ad to start for Ford, and then they followed it right up with a two minute ad where everything was bigger because the only point they wanted to get across was you know double the average fuel economy, mm-hmm. which if you look in the numbers, there's probably some some sketchy math going on there and. They're just trying to, you know, propel or just kind of inflate what it is. Because especially with hybrids, MPG is a little wonky. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, trying to put out a number for that. Yeah, of course it's going to look really high. But anyway, I didn't like the idea of mm-hmm. it. And I thought it ended up being too well, long. I, that's the thing. I just wondered. I was like, hopefully we don't see this, like, become a thing where... Yeah, and what Chevy did was nice with the, you know, the purple your profile. I don't think we needed a commercial about cow sex. No. <laughs> I don't think we needed that. Um, <laughs> the, the commercials were also kind of disappointing. I think a lot of them were just trying too hard. Yeah. Though I, the one I laughed the most at was the Doritos Time Machine. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Was a a pretty- lot of people liked that one. Um, they Because don't they do kind of like a contest thing where they have like ideas and... Yeah, Doritos they... has for the past several years they've let their uh, their fans and other people make and they actually for them. become pretty good commercials. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's smart. You know, they save a lot of money that way. Yeah, um, uh, like I felt like the the uh, the Bud the Bud Light limo ride one was just like a combination of like everything people said, and it, then they it, just kind of put it all together. It shouldn't like have been two commercials. I think it really, you know, lessened the impact. If it was just one commercial, I think that would have been what, more what effective. What was it that he called? Uh, he called ping pong like mini tennis or something. Yeah, or, I don't know. It was Arnold. Oh, geez. Um, it seems like a lot, like a lot of the people who who they do like the winners of the commercials and they pick them. It seems like a lot of people are picking that Radio Shack one, and I don't know if that's just because. It's very it's, nostalgic for a lot of people. I bad. laughed really hard when I saw the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think that's part of the, the nostalgia. And I think the other one... They're making fun of themselves, too. <laughs> right, right. I think the other one that is uh, going to be a high contender uh, for the, the best one, and you're getting a lot of the, the female votes, mm-hmm. is, of course, I'm referring to the Puppy Love commercial. Yeah, Budweiser with the golden retriever puppy and the Clydesdale horse. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a beer commercial, everyone. Yeah, that I mean that's the only problem with it <laughs> is that if it was for something else, then then maybe. But I and like I, I actually I mean I know a lot of people that they didn't realize what it was until the end because they don't like there's a lot of people who don't associate Clydesdale. the horses with them, like. Even though most people do, but that, like you know, I don't know. 
Hmm. Usually beer commercials aren't supposed to make you cry, but <laughs> that one came pretty damn close. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I know there was the the Jaguar, like you, oh yeah, with lots of British guys and actors. Uh, Kingsley, Tom Hiddleston, and yeah, I <laughs> I tweeted this out, which was amazing. But you know, we were kind of joking at the party to see Tom Hiddleston, and we we're just joking about like the Loki fan base. Yeah, and we we're like ah. I'm Hiddleston Loki. Ah. And my friend you know, kind of jokes like, oh, yeah, watch out. We'd have to you know, get a wet floor sign here. <laughs> oh, I'm man. sorry. That was crude. <laughs> uh, um, no, let's was see. Oh, what was the... Did you see the, the, the Beats music with Ellen DeGeneres and like... Um, the three bears. Yeah, but then the wolf was there too. And I was like, What? Wolves like to dance, I guess. I know, but I was like, they're combining stories. No. Oh, you wanna, you wanna I was like, that a, was the problem I had with the commercial. Talk about a scummy tactic as well, the insurance commercial. <laughs> After the Super Bowl, they save money because it's not during the game, so they save about $1.5 million, and they're going to give it away on Twitter, but only if you follow them and tweet insurance save 30 and then you have the chance to win that $1.5 million. Yet you're, you're buying followers yeah, is what you're doing. Kind of uh, scummy. Well, I thought that... I actually thought GoDaddy did better this yeah, year. Yeah, once you saw Danica Patrick, you kind of knew it would be a GoDaddy. Yeah. But, like, I like their... Um, I, I don't know. I figured that it was... It, I just thought it was better <laughs> <laughs> what I had to watch last year because of the muscly men was that it? <laughs> oh yeah, you know. <laughs> um, let's see. There's so many. I, I like and again, like I still don't think I've seen half of them. Um, they they had Stephen Colbert this year for wonderful statues. Uh, that's I think that's better than cracking nuts style. That's true, especially when the nut job is that you know that movie with the squirrels. That's amazing. oh my gosh, Gangnam Style. Like if talk you about just uh, YouTube that everybody. Yeah, because <laughs> that is a trip. Yeah, a trailer for a new animated movie is using Gangnam Style, which is a year and a half old, and that's like talking about getting on the bandwagon way, way, way too late. And, and like there's and like Sai like. He throws little comments and after each little scene that they put, and it's kind of hard to keep a straight face. Uh, Audi's Dober Wawa was a little strange. Oh yeah, that was, was creepy. There, a little bit. It kind of reminded me like of uh, if you ever seen this that Scooby Doo movie with the uh, Scrappy Doo. Yeah, 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 definitely that. Um, another one. You had the the Full House with the Danin. Like those Greek yogurt. There's a little Full House cameo there. The Cheerios family, which mm-hmm. caused a lot of controversy last year, being a, a multiracial, biracial family. Um, that was actually a clever one. I liked that one. Wait, is there one? I like. I still didn't see it, but is there one where they like replaced all the people with dogs, like puppies or something? Yeah, yeah. It was a, a, a slow clap. Yeah, like that. At first, I was like, "What?" And then I was like, "The when they did the puppies, I was like, that's not not bad. Like, I like that, but I don't really like slow cat clap just by itself." Yeah. Um. Here's 
I think the last one we really need to talk about, which is causing a lot of controversy, mm-hmm. is the Coca-Cola advertisement mm-hmm. for America the Beautiful, where you know you have people speaking different languages mm-hmm. for that song, not just English. Yeah, it could be Arabic, Spanish, what have you. Bring out. The racists on Twitter! <laughs> My god. Holy cow. <laughs> Not only do these idiots think America the Beautiful is the national anthem, apparently, <laughs> but there was a whole hashtag of fuck Coke because of it. So you, if you want a, a sad, depressing time, go search that. And read all the people who are apparently boycotting Coke and going to Pepsi because of this. Want a list of people to block on Twitter? Cause we're America, <laughs> we speak English. Or, yeah, what or, we do? I think I saw one. It was like, but it's beautiful enough in English or something. I'm like, I don't think you understand the commercial. <laughs> Just stop. Yeah, where, where did your ancestors come from? <laughs> Probably someplace that doesn't speak English. Uh, man. So, that was a thing. <laughs> eh. Anyway, I think that's enough about the Super Bowl. Uh, we, we can make the play here, our last little thing for this episode. Do you think Seattle repeats as Super Bowl champion next year? Mm. Well, I mean, I think I think we asked a similar question last year about the Ravens, mm-hmm. um, and you know we look. Let's look at what happened to the Ravens. Uh, they lost a lot of players. Yeah, a lot of like big players that were a big part of. I mean, to retirement, they lost you know their leader on defense, and then uh, offensively they lost a lot of really good players. You know that signed with other teams, and. Uh, I don't it because it, it's kind of hard. Like uh, you know, anytime they've got somebody's uh, you know deal ending, it's like, are you going to resign them or you're not? Um, and um, I'm assuming, like I, I don't think anybody. I'm trying to think if they've ha- they had anybody that was injured during the playoffs and it was something really bad. No, I think they got pretty much everyone back. I, yeah, I don't think I don't think they did, and I I don't really know much about anybody that's thinking of retiring on their team. That's a really big part of the team. They're very young. Plus, They're you have very young team. You have Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman, who are playing very well, and yeah. their contracts are very, very affordable because yeah. they're still in their initial deals. Where they got them late in the draft, so they don't have to pay them the big money yet. Yeah. The question, you know, has some legitimacy because people are looking at how the team is structured. Uh, it doesn't look like a team that would be, you know, as cherry picked for talent, you know, as according to past years. And so people are wondering, like, is this another possible dynasty in the making, New England, like, where you're going to, you know, three Super Bowls in five years? Um, it's, now I'm. I- I mean, the, the thing that I would say is that I think, like, as far as the path there, I still think, you know, the NFC is going to be a tougher path than the AFC. Definitely. So. 
for what that's worth. And I think you know San Francisco is still going to be a very good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that'll be a repeat. Repeating is so hard to do in this era of parity in the National Football League. And plus, you look back to you know 2006, even you know about half the time or so, the team who wins the Super Bowl doesn't make the playoff. You know the next year, mm-hmm. and. You know, when you're looking back to that, you know, 2006 era until now, none of those teams have won a playoff game. So even the ones who do make the playoffs the next year, they get knocked out in the first round. It seems to be the trend, and I don't know if this is the team that breaks all of that, although it's a very strong team that they have been, you know, constructed very well through the draft and you know, getting the right free agents at the right price at the right time that they needed it. So I mean, you know, with them, it's it's I think that the the whole home field thing is just I mean, it it carried them through the playoffs cuz they didn't, you know, before the Super Bowl, they didn't particularly play too well in some of those games. But they, you know, they kind of held on for a lot of them. I mean, they had the comeback in the last game, but I think that would have been really tough on the road. Yeah. Um so I think that with them getting off to a good start early, like they did this past, like this year, is definitely important. I think you know, get, getting the lead in the division, that kind of thing, is important. And it's gonna, it's gonna be tough. I mean, San Francisco is going to be right there with you. I mean, that, that's. I don't know if that's it's for the better because you know because they get to play them so much and they usually end up going pretty far in the playoffs they're kind of used to them by the time it matters mm-hmm. which i think was the case i think that they kind of just figured them out at the end of the game last time right. but uh i don't know i just think it's gonna be um i just think that that i think the nfc is gonna be a lot better overall um and af and the afc i'm just not re- i'm not really sure about some of the teams. Yeah. We we don't even know about Denver, like what exactly is gonna happen there. So um you know, we, we don't know what kind of moves New England is obviously gonna have to change some things. Yes. And um you know, I I think I think there's a lot of teams in the AFC that didn't make the playoffs that will make the playoffs next year. Um you know I I think because like I look at a team like Cincinnati and I think um, I just really didn't like how they finished mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, like if they don't make any changes, I don't think they're going to be very good overall, which is crazy because, you know, there's still a lot of talent on the defense and stuff, but I just think that they really need to change some things there. Um, um, I don't know. You know, <laughs> was it? I, I saw Tony re- retweet something. Earlier, they said the Browns are going to be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so that would they be quite, that would be quite the the turnaround for a first year head coach, and I would keep him a long time <laughs> if he could do something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we do have to look at a lot of the other teams that have uh, new coaches coming in and that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it was it was crazy to see like what the Chiefs did this oh, year. Yeah. Um, I think they might be better. They got to win the playoff game, though. Yeah. Um. Well, we all think that the Eagles are probably going to be a lot better. 
next year too. Yeah, no, a full so, year under that system. Yeah, I I think like I still think I think the NFC is gonna be tougher, and um, that's why like I think if this if the Seahawks don't have a good regular season and can't get that home field advantage, then I don't think that they can make it back yeah. to the Super Bowl. And I think I think what's making me think that's not gonna happen is that they're in the same division as the Niners. I think the Niners are gonna be better next year. Not to mention those other teams are still good as well in Arizona. St. Louis? Ah, yeah, I think St. Louis, if they actually have a quarterback, could be really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they if they could finally... Fi- and, I mean, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks this year in the draft. That's true. I mean, I don't really know, but... Uh, so, it, it's really hard to predict again. Um, but you, you have to look at everything that every team's doing, how every team finished. Um, well, we get until you know, the preseason of next season to make our prediction that what you say, you know, may not go you know, correctly, but I think if you can get it to the point, like, I think you've done a really good job though, because if you can get it to the point where you're predicting the teams that are in there every year and you're doing something right. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, put stock in it and say third time's going to be a charm, but you know, who we'll knows? See. We'll see what happens. Detroit? Ha! <laughs> huh. They haven't won a playoff game since 1957. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes you kind of wonder, like, if Detroit hadn't struggled near the end of the year... If it's okay, the, you can if, say it if they didn't If choke. the Steelers hadn't struggled the whole beginning of the year, they would have been in the playoffs easy. You can say it if, you know, Kansas City's kicker, Ryan Suckup, made a field goal. You can say it. It's okay. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't just... <laughs> Well, no, no, no. I, you know, I think if I think if our receiver doesn't step out of bounds and goes in the end zone against Miami, then we don't have to worry about that. But you know, I, it's uh, it's just kind of like how. I mean, the thing that makes me more mad about that than anything is to see a team that gets an opportunity to go in the playoffs and just plays awful, and lets a team like San Diego actually win a playoff game because they should not have won a playoff game. Against and, Kansas City backups. Yeah. Uh, C- Cincinnati, I'm very disappointed in you. Right. So I think that about covers our Super Bowl and other topics yeah. podcast. So it's going to be another couple weeks until our next show. We'll get some good stories for you and make uh, some more predictions. Olympics results. And... There you go. Yeah. Now we're going to be close to the end of that. Wow. Exactly. Well, we'll hopefully get to talk about some hockey, which will be, be nice. Oh, is uh, was it is Michigan still on a win streak in basketball? I thought no, they, were... they lost to Indiana at Indiana. Okay. So that snapped, but they're still number ten in the nation because a lot of the teams. Have well, lost. it must have a really good RPI though from all those wins. That's, that's pretty good. Big Ten's a good conference. Yeah. We'll get closer to March Madness as well. With that, I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. We hope you enjoy the week in sports. Have a good one.